Hello and welcome to Mining.Daily with me, Paul Harris. We're at Roundup, the AME Roundup here in Vancouver, and I'm joined today by Derek White, President and CEO of Ascot Resources. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, Paul. It's very nice to be here with you in person, which is unusual in the last two years. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. I know, it's great to be sort of actually meeting in the flesh again and talking to people in, in real time, well, in, in, in real space as well. Yeah, I really have uh, been limited contact with people other than in the virtual world over the last two years, so it's great to be here at Roundup. Well, hopefully we are getting back to a more normal state of affairs. Now, we're obviously talking today about the the premier uh, gold development project. You're in British Columbia, you're in the golden triangle of British Columbia, you're actually building a mine. Um, Last year, I guess the focus was on some of the early early stage works. How did things progress there? Yeah, you know, I, I would say there was probably three really key events for us um, in 2021. Uh, you know, the first one for us was uh, starting the early works and getting the delivery of the ball and sag mill. And, you know, Ascot made a decision in September of 2020 to order the ball and sag mill ahead of time. And we are so happy we did that because just what we've seen in the world of fabrication and engineering and shipping and delivery is a lot of delays. And that sag mill and ball mill came in in really the summer of 2021 and got installed. And you know, a lot of the motor and electrics around that have been put in place. So we've made, as a brownfield site, tremendous uh, progress in terms of rebuilding the mill. I think the second big thing for us in 2021 was getting our permit. We, we um, basically got the Mines Act and Environmental Management Act permits, which are the main permits for getting back into production. And so we are in a position now where we actually could start mining um, you know, right away. And so, you know, we have to do some development and stuff, but just anywhere in the world right now, getting a permit done is, is tough. And, you know, certainly this part of the world has lots of challenges. So that was a really big accomplishment for, for ourselves and for our partners, the Nishka First Nation and the government, just to get that to happen. Okay. And then I would say the third thing um, that happened for us in, in 2021 was we had a modest exploration program. We drilled about 18,000 meters of holes, but we had tremendous success. And I will be talking a little more with you about that exploration success, but we had some of the best holes we've ever drilled in this part of the world. The Golden Triangle as a whole has been a little bit of an M&A hotspot. Um, we've seen Newcrest advance by taking over Bruce Jack, and now they are the owner of the other two sites that have uh, operating mills, um, really you know, in, in, in Red Chris and Bruce Jack. Uh, we saw GT Cold getting taken out by Newmont. We saw Dolly Varton and um, Homestake Ridge, I forgot their new name, but you know, merged together. So we have seen a lot of activity. Um, and you know, the big trick in the Golden Triangle is infrastructure. This is a geologically super blessed place with copper and gold all over the place, but very remote. And you know, you have mountains, glaciers, no roads. And so, you know, I think from Ascot's perspective, we've done well to advance a lot of the infrastructure, get our permit in place, and hopefully take advantage of, of our location. Okay, well, thank you for that uh, sort of update there, Derek. Now, um, the, the, the full-on construction, I believe, is going to get away pretty soon, so April, I think, and you're looking at first production uh, targeting first quarter of next year, 2023, and that's around, let's say, 150,000 ounces a year for eight years. That's the uh, what you're aiming at initially. Um, the you know, you mentioned how you, you're glad you ordered the, the mills ahead of time, and in addition to all the logistics issues that you avoided last year, uh, I imagine cost is part of that as well, because steel prices have been going up, um, cement prices have been going up, everything's been going up, um, and you haven't sort of 
got away completely scot-free from that because you recently announced that there's going to be a, a bit of a, a, a sort of 27% increase in the uh, the initial capital cost from 176 million Canadian to I think the figure was what, 224 million Canadian. What what sort of cost increases are impacting? Yeah, you know, uh, impacting um, you. Look, there's no question that you know everything from fuel to steel to materials to shipping has gone up. Um, for us, you know, really what happened to us, which was a little bit unfortunate, here in the Vancouver area and actually the whole west coast of British Columbia, we got some terrible storms that happened in November of 2021. And it shut down all the major highways to the east of Vancouver. Well, at that same time, our clarifier and thickener was on a ship coming across the Pacific Ocean. And um, the ship hit 60-foot waves and gale force winds and tilted at 31 degrees and lost its load. So our clarifier and our thickener are sitting at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. And the ship came into the Vancouver Harbor here, just limping with a little bit of our clarifier hanging off the edge. Unfortunately for us, um, although we were insured to get that um, reinstated, we, we have a four month delay. And really, when you look at our cost increase, it's for paying for that delay. It's the indirect costs in these projects. You know, the combination of COVID, the great resignation where people don't want to really work anymore, um, you know, other things related to shipping and handling and all those things that really add up. And so we had to basically, we have to finish the water treatment plant before we can start up the mill. And that clarifier is critical to that water treatment plant. So it's now going to be arriving on site. We were very good about basically getting it refabricated and, and redone. And we did well to get it back to site or targeted at least on, on April of 2022. But we won't finish the construction for the water treatment plant now till the end of November. And hence we've moved the production out to the first quarter of 2023. And that delay, you know, the cost of holding all the contractors and making sure everybody doesn't go and we don't demobilize, that's what's really driving our, our cost increase. In general, what I would say for the brave souls that are doing construction in this kind of the world, you know, you face just a lot of variables that you probably never had to face before. So first of all, if you have a construction camp, you've got to have all the protocols in place to deal with COVID and the emergency that you might have if you had a big COVID outbreak. I think secondly, you know, shipping and components for certain types of, you know, like for example, microchips, um, certain kinds of steel fabrication, the delays are huge. So when a mine used to take three years as a greenfield site to build now, it probably takes four years and the cost is much higher. I mean, you, you talked about the, you know, that really unfortunate sea accident, if you like, or act of God has you know, increased your, your, your time frame a little bit. To what extent it will, has COVID done that as well? I mean, and I mean in, within the context of you know, Tech Resources, a, a Vancouver-based company last week reported that its QB2 development in Chile is going to, you know, the time frame there is extending and the cost therefore is extending because of the repeated impacts of COVID and absenteeism and all things like that, which are extending its, its time frame. Yeah, um, we made a decision to uh, put a construction camp in place. So we built a 170-man camp right next to the mill and we've kind of created a bubble. It's, and so what we do is we test people on the way in, in Stewart, and then when they come out, we get tested again, and anybody who goes in and out gets tested all the time. So we've been able to control, uh, it's not to say that COVID tests are 100% perfect, but in general, we've had very limited COVID outbreak. Um, I would say that um, the, the pool of labor force is definitely less than what it was, and so you've got to try and keep the people that you have happy. Um, but so far, we've been blessed with not really having a lot of COVID issues. Not to say that couldn't that could change. And obviously, with the Omicron variant, there's a lot of people getting sick, and they're going to test positive. But so far, so good for us. Um, you know, I think on the labor side, it's not so much the direct um, labor that we have for construction, but it's all the support labor. So, for example, trucking or 
you know, people that might be cleaning clothes or doing, you know, cooking duties or whatever, they're very hard to find. And, you know, the government of Canada and, and many countries in the world have paid people to basically stay home. And they just go, well, for, you know, I'm not going to go and work, I'd rather just be paid to be here. Now that'll end eventually, but um, I think what that's impacted us is on cost. I mean, just things have cost us more. I would say the other thing for us this year, you know, when Vancouver was getting what they call atmospheric rain, we were getting atmospheric snow. We had uh, roughly three and a half to four meters of snow in less than 16 hours. And so, you know, we, we've had to deal with a lot more snow clearing than probably is usual for this part of the world. I mean, what, what, you, 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 I guess you've got a very intense year coming up with you know, all hands to the mill, so to speak, to, to, to basically build the project out. What, what's going to be the, the most critical thing there? I mean, is, is it the human resources and the various things you've just mentioned? Is it having sufficient human resources to be able to, to do what needs to well, be done or know, is there something I, else I, I think there's a couple different things for us. And um, the first one is that in an underground mine, mining development is really what drives your production. And we had hoped to have an underground exploration and bulk sampling um, at it put in place uh, in June of 2021. The regulator said no. You're not going to be able to do that until you, you're too close to getting your full permit. You have to wait till you get your full permit. We'd hoped to get that full permit at the end of September and at least get that started so we could get out of the snow. Unfortunately, they didn't give us that until December and we had all the snow. And so we made the decision to delay until you know, we're just going to be clearing snow. So we, we're going to start the, that underground development in April of 2022. Um, and then really, we're, you know, the critical path for us is getting as much development as possible done. And remember, this is a hub and spoke strategy, so we have a great mill and a really good infrastructure, and we want these three mines in the beginning and then ultimately four mines to feed this mill. And that really just depends on how fast we can get that underground development going. So we're hoping in April to get started and we'll get into the big Missouri and develop the key areas. We should have four mining areas available to us uh, by the end of 2022. And then we'll start to add silver coin in 2023 and then a premier probably in 2024, 25. So, so that's the critical thing to be able to get the number of faces, to exactly. get the amount of ore to keep the mill fed. I mean, and that, 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 that it can be a very uh, critical issue. I mean, that's one of the issues that uh, Pure Gold ran into with, uh, in, yeah. in Red Lake, isn't it? They couldn't get the number of faces uh, quick agreed. enough for and, the plan. And, you know, we have a major advantage over a lot of people in that we're side hill access to mines that existed in the place before. So we already have second egress. We have pretty good airflow already in there. We need to make these tunnels wider, but we can go to different places at the same time. Typically when you're a ramp access or a shaft access, you go underground and really that's the place you've got to develop from. We, can, we have the advantage of being able to go to multiple areas at the same time. So I think one of the strategic advantages, and I know, you know when Bruce Jack started up, there was a lot of volatility in their ore in these epithermal style deposits, but it's the ability for us to have multiple mining faces to deal with that any kind of grade or, or or geotechnical or other kind of uncertainties that's really going to give us an advantage. And so we will try to do that right away in 23 and, and keep building on every year. We're going to have much more like exponential mining, you know, mining flexibility. And, and it's just because of the ge geometry of this, the way that we access these mines. Okay, thank you, Derek. Now, um, you, you, you're developing a hub and spoke operation. You mentioned it a moment ago, you drilled about, I think you said 18,000 meters last year. So um, you're finding new zones that potentially could be new new spokes. Um, now, to what extent are you going to be able to sort of follow up on that exploration this year? Um, I imagine a lot of the capital spend this year is obviously focused on building the mine, a lot of the management 
expertise focus focuses on building the mind. So does exploration take a bit of a backseat this year while you're, you're pushing ahead on that? Or are you able to sort of carry on the, the exploration effort as well? Well, um, I'll just talk a little bit about the success that we had. So just to paint the big picture here, we have about 13 million tons of around eight grams a ton. And about half of that is reserves, uh, and, a, and a little over six and a bit million tons is basically inferred resources. And we believe that at least half of that, so three million tons can be converted quite easily um, into, into additional reserves. But that conversion will likely come from underground where we can drill quite closely and it's quite efficient drilling. On top of the resources that are, you know, that are known, um, we hit four areas last year that were really quite, in, you know, they look really, really good. So we have an area to the west of the big Missouri called the day zone. And we stepped out and drilled that a little bit last year and it looked so good. We actually put our own internal mine plan and it's going to be the fourth area that we're going to mine, even though it's not in our mine plan yet. Um, and we will continue drilling on that in 2022. So we will have some modest drilling from surface and hopefully from underground near the end of the year to drill that out. And we, we stepped out 400 meters and hit you know, pretty, good, pretty good continuation of this zone. So that looks very attractive to us. The second area that looks really attractive to us is an area called Sabakway. And we, we released, a, with this year um, assay results took a long time to come out, but we did release a hole that we put into this area. It was seven meters of 36 grams, 37 grams a ton. So it's over an ounce, a ton of gold, you know, and it's seven, seven meters is a good thick area. It was smack in the middle of a big geophysics area. We believe we have a third structure in the premier area, which looks super attractive. We know the old timers in the 1920s touched this area. Um, they didn't really get into it, and so it looks very, very opportunistic for us. Um, we have a new opportunity to go and develop a ramp into Northern Lights, which would put us in a much shorter time frame to develop this, so we'll be doing some more exploration follow-up on that area. And then to the west of both premier and what we call the Northern Lights structure, um, we drilled some holes and hit some also spectacular grade. It seems that both of those structures carry on farther to the west. And so we have, you know, probably three or four target areas where we'd like to keep drilling that. So yes, you're right, the majority of the capital goes into building the mine, but we don't forget about exploration and you know um, we see this is this is incremental to our overall resources. And if we can get enough holes um, kind of to outline these areas and then get underground to start you know, develop, developing them, they'll come quite quickly into the mining plan. And just talking, following up on, on that for a moment, um, what, once Premier's uh, sort of build and, and operating, with, with these new areas, um, do you have to go through the, the whole process of uh, doing an NI431 resource on them and then PM no. before you can then subsequently bring them in no. to the mine plan? So generally the way 43101 works in, in for you know, Canadian listed companies is that when you're an explorer or developer, if you're going to put a new mine plan out and you're going to market that, you need a QP to sign off on a new 43101. But when you get into production, typically operating mines release an update to the resources every year. And that can be done with an old internal QP. And it's just because the regulators have sort of seen a differential in risk between the producer and somebody who's developing. So as we leave the development stage and go into the production stage, it would be normal for us every year to put an update out on the resources. And that would be just kind of like filing your annual report. Like every year we'd have a cycle typically that would come out in the first quarter of the year following the year. So you know, sometime between January and the end of March we would stick out the resource update. And that's the cycle that we hope to get into very soon. And if there's a big enough resource in an area at a high enough grade, you just sure. do the development into that Correct. and then throw it in the mill. Exactly, because 
incremental development is very cost effective and you know um, anything that's close to us in, in you know a lot of our resources are very close to the underground infrastructure that we plan anyways and so you know the fact that we don't have enough drill spacing to classify it as a reserve though it doesn't go into our feasibility study as a doesn't mean we're not going to mine it you know it's just we have to get more drill holes and underground drilling is just so much more effective because a lot of the surface drilling that we're doing is 300 meter holes it's costly and we can get a lot more holes a lot closely spaced to define a, a block for a reserve much, much easier into the future. Okay, thank you. Now, as you're developing the mine this year, I mean, you're going into that sort of, in some ways, a quiet period, if you like, uh, from a news point of view. So, so what are going to be potentially some of the sort of big catalysts for people to watch out for this year? Well, you know, I think um, the first one is um, getting the mining portal started. And so hopefully sometime near the end of April, we don't know exactly when all the snow is going to come off, but you know, making an announcement that we're starting the underground, I think is a good one. I think um, the second one um, is probably going to be um, once we basically have um, got underground, getting the first ore stopes developed um, to the surface. Um, exploration will be happening from any time from, you know, kind of May onwards. So I think, you know, that's a backway zone. Like just, you know, I don't know how long the assay turnaround times are going to go, but assuming we can get that in a, in a more efficient manner than last year, that's going to be one to watch. And then finally, as we go to pre-commissioning at the end of, you know, Q3, I mean, that's the one to watch and then first production in Q1 of 2023. So there's going to be sort of continual news flow by the sounds of it. Yeah. Excellent. So um, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. Ascot Resources trades on the TSX under AOT and on the OTCQX under AOT, uh, UF or VF? VF. VF, sorry. AOT VF. Um, Derek White, President and CEO, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Paul. And um, that's all for Mining Stock Daily from me, Paul Harris. Join us for more soon. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.